Vernon, Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. Still Standing is a podcast of hope. My name is Allie Patterson, and I am your host. On this podcast, you're going to hear stories from people who have encountered a living God and found help and hope in their real life. No matter what your life is like right now or what you think of God, I hope you hear stories like yours, and I hope you walk away thinking there's hope for me too. Everyone on this podcast would gladly say it's because of Jesus that I am still standing. Come find out why. of Book Squad Goals. Book Squad Goals! Uh, how are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm just hanging out here with the pee. He thinks that he's going to get fed again, but it's not true. Well, speaking of the pee, I have a question for you guys. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's actually your question, but I'm going to ask it. Oh, really? Yeah, because I couldn't think of a good intro topic. Well, I'll, why don't we just pretend like you came up with it because it's your episode. I came up with this. It's your time to shine. Um, I came up you with did? this. You did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So gonna, I bet it's going to be a really good question. I feel like it is. Um, okay. Yeah. So Go for it. we are talking about The Leftovers this week. And as such, I would like to ask you guys, which one of your pets is most likely to get raptured? And how would your other pets react? Susan, I feel like you had a really, like, gut reaction to this, so maybe you should go first. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know really why I feel this way. I just feel like Mabel would be raptured. (laughs) Um, and... Poor Mabel. I know. I really can't even explain why. It was just the first thing that came to mind. She would certainly disappear. And Roger (laughs) would be distraught, I think, because they are best friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. I really just can't explain why. I just know it would be Mabel. <laughs> <laughs> Emily said this in the group chat as a suggestion, and then Susan was like, oh, God, Mabel. Yeah, I really, I don't <laughs> yeah. know why. I just know it would be her. And I know Roger would be coming to me, like, with his sad eyes being like, yo, yeah, where's my girl? We're my, we're they're my best girl. friends. They really are. Well, I mean, like, it's sort of in the book how there's, like, there's really no explanation for who goes and why. It's just sort of like, you know. Yeah. You just know. Yeah, it would. It, it I, just feels Yeah, it right. just feels right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, hi, this is Emily, and I have four pets, which I sometimes forget because two <laughs> of them are very quiet. Um, so when I was first thinking about this, I thought it would be my cat, Cersei, who would get raptured. But the longer I thought about it, and the longer I realized that I have two other pets that I forgot about, 
um, the more I realized it would probably be Scout the Gecko because she's an idiot. <laughs> um, and if anybody's going to disappear, it's Scout because I don't know. She's just a doofus. <laughs> How do you know when a gecko is a doofus? Look, just trust me on this one. I just know. All right. All I just right. know. Um, I mean, she, I think actually, I think all geckos are doofuses. They're just not that smart. And I'm sorry if, look, if you're a gecko lover, you're not loving the gecko. You don't love geckos because they're smart. Like, that's not, you're not like, I'm going to get a gecko because I want a really intelligent animal. Like, that's not a thing. So don't be offended. I love my gecko. She's just not that smart. Anyway, um, I think Cersei would be really upset because she really wants to eat Scout and tries to on a daily basis and i think she would miss that so there you go well this is kelly and honestly i feel like neither of them would get raptured i mean i have two i have one pet and then but we live with another pet which is fig so penelope and fig and i feel like it like it would be too convenient for either of them if one of them got raptured so <laughs> they'd both be stuck here forever together penelope would be really disappointed that fig didn't get raptured yeah exactly she'd be she'd like she'd be like why didn't fuck? you stay i mean why did you stay yeah yeah oh like either way it would bring penelope too much peace because she would be away from fig so <laughs> um so yeah we're talking about the leftovers this week I'm just going to issue a blanket spoiler warning now. Uh, oh, should we also mention that Mary's not here? Oh, uh, <laughs> who? <laughs> Mary, Mary's not here. Mary got raptured. She, she got, raptured. got raptured. Yeah. Realistically, she probably would be the one to get raptured out of us. That's true. She's the pure one. The pure one. Not that that matters, as we will Not that that discuss. matters. Yeah. So... I'm going to read the summary from Goodreads. Uh, so again, spoilers. Sorry. Yeah. I interrupted. Oh, no, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, We're going to spoil everything about this book. We've basically decided that it's impossible to talk about books without spoiling them to the – or, like, with the thoroughness that we want. So, sorry, everyone. Uh, Not that – I mean, this book doesn't have that many, like, huge twists or anything, but – No. Um. Okay, so, summary from Goodreads. What if, whoosh, right now, with no explanation, this summary has some dramatic, uh... I love that whoosh is in the summary. Yeah. Like, whoosh. Got some flourishes in here. Real good. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, no, I interrupted myself. A number (laughs) of us simply vanished. (laughs) Would some of us collapse? Would others of us go on one foot in front of the other, as we did before the world turned upside down? That's what the bewildered citizens of Mapleton, who lost many of their neighbors, friends, and lovers, in the event known as the Sudden Departure, cap S, cap D, have to figure out. Because nothing has been the same since it happened. Not marriages, not friendships, not even the relationships between parents and children. Kevin Garvey, Mapleton's new mayor, wants to speed up the healing process to bring a sense of renewed hope and purpose to his traumatized community. Kevin's own family has fallen apart in the wake of the disaster. His wife, Lori, has left to join the guilty remnant, a homegrown cult whose members take a vow of silence. 
His son, Tom, is gone too, dropping out of college to follow a sketchy prophet named Holy Wayne. Only Kevin's teenage daughter, Jill, remains, and she's definitely not the sweet A student she used to be. Kevin wants to help her, but he's distracted by his growing relationship with Nora Durst, a woman who lost her entire family on October 14th and is still reeling from the tragedy, even as she struggles to move beyond it and make a new start. With heart, intelligence, and a rare ability to illuminate the struggles inherent in ordinary lives, Tom Parada has written a startling, thought-provoking novel about love, connection, and loss. Uh, This book came out in 2011. And it was published by St. Martin's Press. Today, while I was at work, I was reading through our company's new code of conduct, and I realized that I, uh, prior to, or what I thought before was that I um, wasn't supposed to ever mention that I work at this company because it would be a conflict of interest. But I realized reading today, they were like, if you ever decide to talk about one of our books on a blog or whatever, make sure you say that Make sure you're clear that you work for our company and that your opinions are your own. So I'm just going to put this out there now. The secret publishing company that I work for is Macmillan, St. Martin's Press. Now you all know. And these opinions are mine and mine alone. Disclaimer over. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Okay. So uh, there's a lot to talk about here, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. But, um... Like, my first discussion point that I have is, like, obviously grief and loss are central to this book, as is survivor's <laughs> as is survivor's guilt. Um, Nora's storyline, who we just mentioned, Nora Durst, who lost her husband and her two kids in the sudden departure, um, is a particularly harrowing portrayal of uh, what it would mean to lose everything. But what I think is really interesting is that the novel focuses around this family, the Garvey family, and they did not really experience any significant loss. Like, all of their immediate family remains intact. I don't even think they lost any, like, you know, secondary family members or anything. They really just, like, know people in the community who were lost. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting choice to make to focus on a family that didn't have that experience, but still completely unravels anyway. And I was wondering, what do you guys, why do you guys think that Tom Parada made that choice? Well, that's interesting because I really didn't even think about that. Um, reading the book, I didn't stop and think like, man, they didn't really suffer any major losses because it seems like, it seems like they did. Right. You know? right. Um, I think that one thing that I noticed um, especially with the Tom character. Tom is the um, older son of the family. He's um, off at college when the rapture happens. Well, we keep calling I'm cu- I keep calling it the rapture, but like whatever. They refer know. to it whatever. as the sudden departure in the book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it, you know, because Tom has this feeling that he has suffered this well not that he suffered this loss but he's like sort of like obsessed with this one person who was sort of just like an acquaintance that went away that disappeared a childhood friend who he hadn't spoken to in years right he's like i don't know that i would have even said hey to him if i saw saw him the day before Mm -hmm. the sudden departure right um but i think that was sort of interesting to focus on at least one of these characters sort of like becoming obsessed with this loss of someone who 
wasn't central in their lives because it kind of shows how people I don't like people affect us in ways that we don't always realize until they're gone and like we like people become obsessed and cling on to death like even if they weren't touched by those people in real life right like people yeah. are kind of just like gravitate towards death in this weird way and I like I, this isn't even like this is not technically death but it's sort of like a stand-in for death right, right. because like that's what this is really about so I, I found that really interesting yes. in the way that people who just people who leave us become sort of like these like martyrs yeah. um, <laughs> and like <laughs> we tend to focus on the good things about them and then we have the reverend character who's sort of like doing the opposite of that um but yeah i don't know so i thought that was interesting and something that we had an opportunity to see highlighted more because we were were looking at a family that didn't lose someone super close yeah um we were able to see more of this like obsession with death just in general that isn't really connected to a personal familial loss or the loss of someone close i don't know if that made sense or <laughs> no no totally yeah um no i agree like and i think uh it's interesting just like thinking about like how it was like not just an event that impacted a small community but the entire world so this sudden departure that occurs like occurs all across all types of religions, all types of, like, all countries, all over the world. And there's no rhyme or reason to who disappears, as we said before. And I think, like, the thing that makes these people start to unravel in a way that they might not if it had been, like, a tragedy, like, the way that, you know, something like a a natural disaster or something, where if you don't lose someone in that or, or know people who had who were involved in that like you're still you're like kind of at a remove from it even if you still like empathize and everything but in something like this it's like there's no explanation for what happened like there's no i mean obviously when something horrible happens there's still no explanation like why did that happen but this is like what even happened you know right like yeah. these people just disappeared and so i think like even if i i guess like part of it is just the fact that this thing even occurred is what people are really freaking out about like ultimately i kept thinking we were going to find out the reason yeah and i'm kind of sad i don't know <laughs> yeah that's why i can't explain why it would be mabel i just know it would <laughs> <laughs> i kind of knew that we wouldn't just because of the type of book this is and also you know, not to brag or anything, but <laughs> I did – Tom and I have met in person, Ooh. and I did hear him, like – and it was right around the time this book came out, so he 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 was at the Decatur Book Festival. Shout out to the Decatur Book Festival. Woo! He was at the Decatur Book Festival, and uh, he, he read from this book, and he was kind of, like, talking about, you know – this idea of like people disappearing and not knowing what happened to them. So like even before reading the book, it kind of seemed clear to me that the purpose behind this book has nothing to do with like what happened. This isn't supposed to be like sci-fi or like a religious book or anything like that. It's more like Kelly, what you were saying, it's more about exploring the loss. Yeah. You know, so 
you don't really need to know what happened to these people to explore that. Yeah. And I think, like, it was, like, another really interesting thing about the book and, like, a theme of the book is religion, but not – it's not a religious book and it's not a book that's saying any one way is the right way, you know? But, like, it was interesting to see it framed as far as, like, how people who had this extreme faith before this event occurred would react to it afterwards – because, right. like, it it wasn't, like, all Christians or all Muslims. It was, like, people from all different types of religions. And so the people who are left... Atheists. Atheists, yeah. yeah like, yeah. <laughs> and the people who are left from from these various... People from these different ideologies had to, like, reckon with the fact that this thing occurred. Do we want to believe that the rapture is real or do we want to believe that this is just some weird coincidence and if it is then how do we explain that like via the religion that we're a part of and like some people you know completely lost their faith after it happened and some people became like even more devout and like decided like we didn't get taken because we are bad and we have to repent now and then other people were like the the reason that I wasn't taken is because it's not religious and the people who were taken were bad. Like <laughs> the reverend mm-hmm. who is like in this town and sort of like loses his mind a little bit and starts starts like giving out newsletters <laughs> yes. of like here are all the bad things that he like these becomes have done. obsessed with with revealing these truths about the people from their town who have disappeared, trying to dig up reasons why these people are bad. It's like- to be honest, I would have been, like, totally living for that newsletter if I was <laughs> part of this. I know, right? I would like, be give me so the dirt. It was basically <laughs> Gossip Girl. <laughs> I mean, clearly everyone else was living for it, too, because, yeah. like, everyone at that dance knew yes, about exactly. it, you know? So, like, yeah, people I would say it. for religion, it's not – it almost has nothing to do with, like, what people – believed in or did before but it's more about what people turn to in like moments of desperation and that's yeah. that's where the religion comes in and where the where the cults yeah. start to, start to happen yeah <laughs> shit gets real culty is what i'm saying yeah cuz you're so like sensitive to being swayed in one direction or the other that yeah i mean i remember thinking when they were you know when um when Tom and Christine are dis- disguising themselves as barefoot people, I remember being like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> I would be a barefoot person. <laughs> just right. smoking weed and having sex. And, like, right now, I would describe myself as a secular Jew. But in a case like that, I'd be like, yeah, I would I would 100% get on board with one of those things. It would probably be the barefoot people. At least that one isn't as culty and it's more just like – they're just like a bunch of hippies, basically. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like do whatever you want. It's the total opposite of the um, watchers, the guilty, the guilty remnant. remnant. Well, yeah, because it's like, do you turn to virtue and kind of obsession with that kind of thing, or do you just think like, "Fuck it, who cares?" and like just do what feels good while you're. I don't there. know, because like. 
I could get behind the vow of silence thing, but I could not get behind the having to smoke cigarettes every time I'm out in public thing. <laughs> that is rough. Like, that is disgusting. That yeah. is rough. I appreciated Meg's yeah. hesitance. <laughs> but, oh my God. Yeah. When she just like gasps. Yeah. <laughs> the same girl, same. Yeah. That would be me. I would be throwing up. Like, <laughs> no. So, well, now that we're, we've started talking about it, why don't we just talk about and explain a little bit about the guilty remnant? Um, yes. So, it's this, this group that forms as it, as the Goodreads description described it, a quote unquote homegrown cult where <laughs> the people of Mapleton, like certain people basically decide to take a vow of silence and they all move into a communal living space and all start wearing white and constantly smoking cigarettes. And they are assigned, like they take on the duty of watching the other members of, of the community of Mapleton and they go out and basically follow people around and just like hover around like ghosts. Mm-hmm. They're super fun is what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're a oh, hoot. Yeah. Great to have it a party. <laughs> Do you guys, like, understand – because, like, I understand that they were trying to just be, like, a constant reminder of what occurred. But, like, what is their mission exactly? And, like, w- like why – like, what do they believe? <laughs> do you guys – I don't know. Understand? Mm-mm. I do not know. Mm-mm. Like, I was trying really hard to to grasp. And, like, last night I, I watched the first episode of – the TV show, and I was trying to explain it uh, to Ivan when we were watching, and I was like, because he was like, what is, like, what are, the, what's the point of this? <laughs> I was like, well, and then I started trying to explain it, and I was like, I honestly don't know, like, what they really, be- like, do, I don't know if the, because it's weird, because they seem to feel, they seem to be uh, presenting guilt and trying to remind people of guilt and like we are bad which is why we're still here but then they have this strange sense of superiority yeah (laughs) so it's really confusing yeah why do you guys think Lori, who is the the wife of or the former wife of kevin and one of our other like main characters like why do you think she leaves her family to go to this place I don't know. I thought it was really interesting because half of the family ends up in a cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just different two, cults. Two different cults. <laughs> yeah. And Jill almost almost joins them too. Or like starts yeah. to toy with the idea of joining right. them. Yeah, but like the the reason that they're getting Jill to join the cult is because she witnessed a murder, basically. Yeah. So that was sketch as hell. Yeah. I mean, that was the reason they wanted her to join the cult, right? I think so. Like, because they started working real hard on her after that. Yeah, but I think they're also, like, sort of trying to get everyone to join the cult Mm -hmm. at the same time. Like, they have these, like, files on people (laughs) that they, like, pass around. And I think they, like, target people who seem weaker, who, who might be more susceptible to their ideas if they harass them enough. Right. Um, here's my question. <laughs> Which cult is worse? Uh, the one impregnating teenage girls, maybe. Yes. That would be yes. my vote. However, the other one's murdering people. Yeah. But, like, not that many. 
Not that many people. Well, not that many teenage girls got impregnated, so. That's true. I mean, okay, to me, they're both bad. The guilty remnant seems more miserable to be a part of. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the other one's just, like, all about hugs, which I understand. (laughs) Right, and who doesn't love a good hug? I mean, and you know what, actually – in that part of the story, when he was, like, giving his speeches and saying, like, let me hug you and I can take your pain away, I was like, I could see how people could get into this. Yeah. Like, just hug fests, you know? Yeah. If the sex with underage girls, not so much. I'd be like, whoa, that's not... Let's take I'm a not. step back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They're both pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'd be a barefoot person. Yeah. I would I would probably just be a normal person. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'd probably develop <laughs> some kind of drug problem. Yeah. I feel like I really identified with Jill the most because she was sort of like trying to do her normal everyday thing, but also sort of like struggling with like the purpose behind like, yeah. she's like, oh, maybe I should go to class. And then it was like, oh, but why? Yeah. You know, like, it wasn't it wasn't that hard to convince her to not go on with, like, what she'd normally do. Right. I feel like I'd probably be Amy. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I felt for Amy, though. You know, like. I know. That's why I think I'd be her. So let's talk about, like, so Jill Sorry. and Amy. It's fine. <laughs> But yeah, just in case we're just bouncing around. <laughs> just in case you haven't read the book, Jill is is the teenage daughter, um, and so her and her dad are the only people left in their house. And Jill develops a friendship uh, with this other girl in her grade named Amy, um, who and Jill up to, to up until the sudden departure was like a straight A student and was very uh, like your typical like type A uh, high school student who's, like, very, like, well-behaved, doesn't do drugs, doesn't drink, doesn't go to parties. She's, like, you know. Uh, And Amy is, like, the bad girl, sort of. And the two of them Mm -hmm. get – are working at the same place and become friends that way. And, and, you know, as things start to unravel in the family and and Jill's mom goes off to join the guilty remnant and her brother disappears – into a cult and they don't hear from him anymore she like as that's happening her friendship with amy is developing and so then for her whole like school year she just starts like ditching class and like her grades drop and she's getting high all the time and drinking and like and then amy it comes from sort of like a bad family situation so jill invites her to, like, stay over most nights, and basically Amy ends up moving into the house with Jill and her dad, and things, you know, go places from there. (laughs) Yeah. I was honestly surprised that, like, it didn't get more... So, like, a, like, connection starts to form between Kevin and Amy, and... Mm -hmm. It's very uncomfortable, and it's, like, always there from the beginning that you, like, sense this sort of weird, like, sexual tension because Amy is, like, constantly coming downstairs, like, in her sleep underwear. And Jill, from Jill's perspective, she keeps being like, I wish Amy wouldn't wear that stuff around my dad. It makes me feel weird. And then Kevin is like, wow, like, she's really pretty, but 
that's disgusting. Don't look at her. <laughs> like For the record, that's not why I'd be Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but for the whole book, like, that's sort of a thing. And then, like, really nothing happens between them. I w- I'm glad. Me too. Same. I'm glad that they were, or they kind of, like, developed this adult friendship, though. Mm-hmm. Like, but you know what? I kind of thought something more was going to happen just because, again, I've read other Tom Parada books and I was like, is he going to go there? Because he definitely could. Yeah. Like, I kind of expected it to go there and then I was sort of, like, relieved when it didn't. Yeah. Because I didn't really want – because I, I, I liked Kevin mostly. Right. You don't want to dislike him. Yeah. Like, just as a reader, you, you want to read for him and you can't really if he – starts an affair with his daughter's friend. Right. Just yeah. can't. Right. Also, then I couldn't be Amy anymore. <laughs> it would be a step too far. Well, that's what this is really about. <laughs> so what about Amy do you identify with, Susan? <sighs> so I feel like Amy is lost in this way where she turns to, like, just trying to find affection where she can find it. And, like, maybe mm-hmm. that is too much information about me. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I feel like in a in a situation where everything felt lost and I didn't really have a family, I would just be looking for love, like, from my friends, from some dude playing a weird spin-the-bottle game, from, like, a married guy, like, whoever. I think I would just look for comfort where I could get it without really going too far, but just, like, having that little bit of comfort. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it totally okay. makes sense. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Kelly? Which one do you identify with the most? Because we both said ours. Um, I don't know. Maybe I identify with Kevin because I think, like, he is sort of doing this thing where he's like, okay, like, I'm lucky. I didn't lose anything. I need to be normal and try to, like, get back on my feet and make sure that my family is okay and, like, try to, like, just be normal, get things back to normal. Because he's, like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't I didn't suffer a loss, so there's no reason for me to be freaking out. And he's just kind of, like, in denial about everything. And as things, like, crumble around him, he's just, like, trying to, like, <laughs> hold it together and it's not working. And I think – like, I definitely understood where he was coming from. And, like, all of the choices and decisions that he made, I was like, I can understand why you would do that or say that or whatever. Right. And, like, because at the beginning of the book, you kind of get a sense that he's, you know, not taking it seriously enough. Because you see him from Laurie's perspective, and he seems kind of like he's, like, not being empathetic and not being understanding. And, like, just kind of, like, you know, pull yourself up and and continue and stop moping. But, like... He's just trying to, like, tell himself that so that things can not feel so hopeless. And I get mm-hmm. – I understand that. Yeah. And he kind of feels – it seems like he's taken on this responsibility to make everybody feel better. Yeah. Like, he becomes the mayor. <laughs> he becomes the mayor. And not not only that, but he has these, like, sort of, like – open office hours every day where people can come and talk to him and like really he's he's given 110 percent yeah i feel like yeah and he he like takes takes in amy without any questions and he like is trying buys her christmas presents you know yeah and he's trying his best to be like 
the dad that Jill needs because he's like, I'm not going to, like, scold you and punish you for, like, acting out in your grief, but I am going to tell you that I'm not okay with the things you're doing. (laughs) Like, you know, but... He, like, doesn't – in some ways, like, you could say he's, like, not doing a great job parenting. But I'm also, like, what what is he going to do? Like, isn't it better for him to, like, maintain, like, a decent relationship with his daughter than to, like, completely push her away? I don't know. I'm not a parent. (laughs) So (laughs) it's hard. I just, like – okay. I thought it was really sweet how on Christmas Day Mm – he sort of like reflecting back on the day is like it was so fun just like having them there and like i wish i'd got them more presents because it was so great seeing them so excited about everything and then we played yahtzee (laughs) and like it was just really fun and then they just wanted to go and i was like that's fine because we had a really fun day and i was just like that's so i just thought that was really sweet yeah he's like a really sweet dude i think he's just like a little dumb sometimes but makes he makes sweaty omelets we know that yes (laughs) he very much (laughs) grows on you as a character because i like didn't really trust him at first and then the more you get to know him, that's probably because he's a dude and you're like i don't know about (laughs) yeah i'm suspicious of you automatically right yeah but okay again it's just while we're on the subject of that christmas day yes how strange was it that when his wife showed up he was just like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Come on in. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was really... <laughs> I just didn't expect him to react that way. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Like, I I didn't know. I was surprised, too, but I was also... I mean, it, it made sense because that's kind of his way of trying to be this, like, peacemaker person who's yeah. just like, let me make sure everyone feels comfortable. And he's like, you guys hungry? Let me get you some food. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, and I think he also, like, knew that if, like, he wanted to to do everything he could to not push his wife away even more, even though, like, yeah. obviously she's, like, he should know she's not coming back, but. It was just such an interesting um, contrast to what happened when they go to visit Meg's fiancé. Yes. Because that happens before this, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, They go visit Meg's fiancé because Meg... If you haven't read the book, Meg was <laughs> Meg is like uh Laurie's little like trainee protege or whatever. Yeah, trainee. <laughs> um and Meg so she's new to the cult and like before she joined the cult, she was like supposed to get married like that weekend that she left. Uh so they they're all required to go visit their loved ones on Christmas day um to sort of like remind them that everything isn't normal. Um, and, uh, Meg's fiance is not too excited to see her. He's a huge asshole. He also- And he's dating her cousin now. Yeah. His name is Gary, so, like, didn't you kind of know he would suck? Yeah. He seems like the name of yeah. someone who'd be like, eh, Gary. Yeah. Get out of here, Gary. That's my, that's my uncle's name. Oh, I'm sorry. He's probably great. I don't know any humans named Gary. It just seems like not the name of, like, a very young guy. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what this Gary was supposed to be. My my friends have a cat named Gary. See, I like that. My aunt and uncle's Scotty dog was named Gary. Wow. None of my pets are named Gary. Well, he was maybe a good you dog. should consider getting another dog. Maybe, maybe I'll get a gecko. 
Gary the gecko, that's kind of, yeah. Well, SpongeBob has a pet snail named Gary. Oh, yeah. Mm. Speaking of SpongeBob. Yeah, Nora. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Good transition. So, do we want to talk about the significance of SpongeBob? Yes. (laughs) So, Nora uh, is, like, kind of, like, the parts uh, with her are just so fucking sad. Like... Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. I really like her, though. No, I like her, too. And I... What I really... One of... Okay, so let's talk about SpongeBob first. So... She, okay. <laughs> uh, she lost her on this on the day of the sudden departure. She is basically in the town known as this like, like almost like a a martyr figure because she lost the most. Like she lost her husband and both of yeah, her. Children. She's like she refers herself as the saddest woman in the world a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. And she so she like basically. Like, the whole town feels sorry for her, and she's, like, going through this thing of, like, having to figure out what her life means, like, when one day she is this, like, wife and mother, and the next day she's not. And, like, one of the main ways that she is, like, coping with her grief about losing her children is that she starts watching Spongebob because her kids loved Spongebob. And she, like, basically... Get, like buys all of the box sets of the show and watches the episodes like one by one and then she starts like a journal where she like writes new things each time she watches one of the episodes and it's like a like a a comfort to her like a sort of almost like obsessive uh comfort and like I thought that was so interesting and I related to that so much because you know I haven't yeah. ne- like I haven't experienced anything like that But in times where I've been really, like, depressed or anxious, like, when I was a kid especially, like, I remember there was a whole summer where I watched – I went to sleep every night watching the movie Elf, like, every night (laughs) during summer because that, like, comforted me for some reason. And just, like, that – the familiarity of something that is, like, so – you know exactly – what it is and how it goes and just like the sound of it is like a blanket you yeah. know i fall asleep watching yeah. friends a lot for that very reason exactly. friends is my safety blanket yes i um also have a journal that i write to my brother in mm-hmm. so i could identify with that i've been really bad about writing in it lately because part of me is like not i know that i'm writing in this for myself and not for him and right. like i want i it's hard for me to write to him when I have trouble uh, believing that he's going to be able to read it. Right. So, like, the only times I'm able to really, like, write in it successfully is when I can, like, convince myself, like, maybe he can see this somehow. Right. Um, But I definitely, like, when she started doing that, I was like, I understand that because uh, you always feel like, I think that's one of the hardest things about losing someone really close to you is, like, Day to day, you like constantly think of like, oh, I really want to tell this person this thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's when it like hits you really hard. Right. Um, and so having a space where you can be like, okay, I'm gonna just like write down all the things I want to tell this person so that they go somewhere. Right. Um, can it can be really comforting if you're in the right state of mind. Totally. And there is a a 
point when she start when it starts having or stops having the same effect on her, right? And st- like stops becoming as comforting because more time is passing and it, you know, they feel further and further away. I guess. Yeah, there's this yeah. really simple statement where it just says like SpongeBob isn't working anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, yeah, it's really sad. And another thing um, about her that I found really interesting or uh resonant is that so she's she and kevin start a relationship and there's a whole section because like she's basically trying to like for so long she's separated herself from everyone she's been not having friends and not going out and not like participating in the world and she's like maybe she goes to this dance that they have um is it like a monthly mixer or something in yeah. the town. Mapleton <laughs> like, means fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she decides to finally go to this with her sister and gets dressed up. Karen. And goes. And uh, when sh- while she's there, like, she sort of starts talking with Kevin and they dance and they have a good time and then they start seeing each other. Um, well, then they decide to go on an impromptu trip to Florida together f- uh, over the holidays. Like, Right after. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. Like, because, like, she tells him to call her, and he, it's like a month later, and he hasn't called her. And so, like, she calls him up, and, like, I think she's planning on saying, like, do you want to go out for a drink or something? Mm -hmm. And she, instead, she goes, do you want to go to Florida? And I was like, yes, girl. And this is, he's, like, standing there while his ex wife and her silent, a protege or standing <laughs> in the kitchen like he's like uh yeah i'm gonna call you back later with more details <laughs> like yeah that is some shit i would do a hundred percent yeah do you want to go to awesome. florida she was like why not just ask for what i really want yeah you know and he says yes and so they go yeah. to florida and they have this great time and then but then like we you know, they get back and it's back to reality and they're dating, but she doesn't want to go out very back often. Back to life, back <laughs> to reality. Mary's not here. I have to, have sing, to sing all along. by myself now. Oh, sorry. It's, it's just because I'm tone deaf, so I feel like... Oh, I just don't even care. I just do it anyway. <laughs> so she starts, like, she shows him Spongebob and, like, sort of, like, brings him into her, like, very like, small world of sadness, and, uh, like, she, but there's a whole section where she talks about, like, I used to be the best girlfriend, like, Mm -hmm. I was such a good girlfriend, I was so good at being supportive and being, like, this, you know, person that my boyfriend could come home to and, like, know that he would be comforted and, like, I would do all the nice things and give him massages and cook him dinner and all this stuff. And she's, like, she wants to be that person again because she wants to prove to herself that she's still, like, capable. And it was something she always prided herself in, but she just, like, can't do it. And that was, like, really hard to read, I think, because I could relate to that in some ways as well. Um, yeah. Because when you are depressed, you can't, like, be – the person that you want to be for other people, no matter how hard you try. Yeah. Well, also when you spend all that time doing so much for other people and then, I mean, they disappear and you feel like nothing matters anymore. 
Yeah. It's got to be pretty hard to like get back in that place where you can do that again. Like, cause you feel like you're, and it's, you're all, it's interesting. Left. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Uh, I kept thinking that Let's you were just apologize to each other forever. Done, I, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. I'm, I'm really, I'm, sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. I, I'm going to say what go. I was going to say. If you're done. Sorry. 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 Go. <laughs> sorry. Kelly, leave this in there. <laughs> Don't worry. I will. <laughs> um, so, in like, I'm sorry. You just say, sorry, but you, <laughs> that wasn't even on purpose that first time. Um, Susan, you saying that made me think about um, when she writes the letter to him at the, like, end of the, at the end mm-hmm. of the book. Um, and she's talking about, what was going on when everyone disappeared she was doing stuff for them Mm -hmm. yeah you know like that that and like so she cooked this nice dinner for them and then like you know the son was crying and her daughter was being a little shit (laughs) and then like her husband wasn't it was a daughter yeah the daughter spilled something yeah i think it's the daughter Okay, so, like, she goes into the kitchen to, like, get some napkins to clean it up, and then she comes back, and when they're not there, she, like, doesn't know what to do if she's not helping them in some way, so she just kind of, like, cleans it up, you know, and then it's like... Yeah. And, well, and that's just, like, from a practical standpoint, too, then we can go back to this, but this is just a little aside. Um, That part also got me thinking, like, I wonder if people could only disappear if... Someone wasn't like watching them because the two stories we hear, I think we only hear the two stories. Yeah. Are like Jill is like watching a YouTube video when her friend disappears. So like not paying attention to her. Right. And then like her family, um, Nora's family doesn't disappear until she's like in the kitchen and she comes back and they're gone. Right. It just makes me wonder like what would have happened if she had been in the kitchen or if she had been sitting there with them like. Would she have gone too? Would they have stayed? I'm wa- I'm just wondering if that has anything to do with it, just from like a practical standpoint. That's, That's really I wonder too, though. but I kept I looking know. for things like that where there would be a thing in common. That was the only thing I could see just from those two stories is like it's really interesting that nobody like actually was like looking at someone when they disappeared. You know? Yeah, and was wasn't there like no like video footage of anyone disappearing either? Like Yeah. It seems like to have disappeared, you know, like, you had to, like, no one could be watching it happen. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't one more thing about Nora. <laughs> yeah, let's go back. Sorry, that was just, like, No, a no, no. Uh, sorry, I just thought it was, too, like, about, about her yeah, yeah. not being able to, like... No, I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. One more thing. Um, wait, wait. Sorry. Wait. Um, no, I'm sorry. No, okay, you go I'm ahead. Sorry. sorry. Um, one more thing. Sorry. <laughs> About her, like, not being able to be the good girlfriend. Like, when she when she finds out in that newsletter about her husband's affair with the preschool teacher, she has this moment where she was, like, she feels a relief because she is no longer mourning the person she thought she was mourning. And she realized that he, yeah. that specific person doesn't really exist. And... Oh, baby. She's crying. I'm going to let her out. Oh, I was like, <laughs> okay. what? <laughs> oh, I love you too. So, yeah. So that person doesn't exist. And so it, I guess to me, like I extrapolated that to apply to like almost everyone that 
you know, when someone is gone, especially if it's sudden like that, you kind of romanticize the person that they were when in reality, like maybe none of them are quite as great as we thought. And I don't know. I just, even though I haven't experienced that exact thing, like I identified with that moment when she was like, ah, I feel a little bit better that I don't have to mourn this person that maybe didn't really exist. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easier to move past something when you're able to feel anger. Oh, yes, um, definitely. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, so, like, absolutely. That, I think, really helped her as far as, like, that part of her mourning, specifically her husband. Yeah. I mean, she'll never get that with her kids, but at least she can yeah. sort of hate her husband a little. I mean, not to talk about my brother again, but... Please talk about your brother. Um, okay. <laughs> we love well, to hear about him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, but, like, obviously I thought about him a lot while I was reading this, because yeah. this is a book about loss, and, you know, if, I was, if I'm thinking about, like, a major loss in my life, like, losing my brother is a big thing. Right. Um, but I, I will say, like, the period of time where it hurt the least having lost him was when I was like mad at him for smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. I had this like, I had this nice like month long period where like I wasn't really crying about it because I was just thinking about like how shitty it was that he smoked cigarettes and like continued to smoke cigarettes after he learned that he had cancer. Right. And like, that's just like BS. And like, I was like, I can be mad. Like, if I'm mad, then I'm not upset that you're gone because, like, I don't want to fucking see your face right now. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, and it sense. gives you something to blame, kind of. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And if I can blame him, then I'm like, it's your own damn fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I know I totally got that. This feeling of, like, relief, like, oh, I don't have to miss him because I can just be mad at him instead. Right. Like, that felt really real it's almost as if tom parada has lost somebody before in his life almost do you know do you know the details of that from your no i i just assume most people lose people in their life yeah but you know when tom and i talk because we have our (laughs) you know weekly phone conversations (laughs) we we do talk about you know the people that we've lost and hey tom i know you're listening (laughs) i lost some one in a really preventable way. And I felt yeah. like anger kind of helped in that case too, where it was like, uh, if you only would have done this differently, like, right, exactly, you know, but yeah, uh, it's definitely not the same thing, but I get where like, no, no, where anger is. kind of dulls sadness. You got to like replace one thing with the other for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. But then what happens after a little while is after you finish saying, if only you wouldn't have done or would have done this, you think, what if, if I only had I done? had told them yeah. that, like, yeah. why didn't I say something when mm-hmm. I could have, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's, there's always that. So, I don't know. It's a whole, it's a vicious, vicious cycle of feelings that never yeah, quite grief settle is like, into is one. A bitch. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think, like, bringing it full circle, this book, I mean, does a good job of, like, encapsulating that and, like, all of the different yes. feelings that come with it. And all the different types of grief there are, even grief for, like, 
people who, as we were talking about earlier, like affected you in a way that you didn't realize until after. I think the grief or over grief for people that shit. You go and then I'll go. Okay, real fast. I was just gonna say, or you know, grief for people that aren't dead, but like for one reason or another have just like slipped out of your life, right? Um, and like even if you are, you're like, all right, well that I have moved on in some sort of way. There's still like this like mourning for that person and not being able to be connected to a person that you once cared about. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah, that's actually really similar to what I was gonna say. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god! Sorry, I'm so sorry. But what I was gonna say, I'm so sorry. Those like those moments when Kevin sees Lori and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm about to see her," and then it's like, "Wait, she's she looks totally different than what I saw." She looks hot. <laughs> yeah, I like that. He was still like, "I'd fuck her." Yeah, <laughs> I'd fuck her. <laughs> Typical dude. Yeah. Yeah. Moments like that when you see a person who's kind of not in your life anymore, but you still feel like you know them or you have some kind of connection to them is this other kind of grief. And where, like, he recognizes, like, even, I mean, not only does she not look like the same person, but she has, like, chosen for whatever reason um, to do this thing. And so they've become completely different people than they were when they were together and that's yeah. I don't know. It's like this weird moment of like uncanny recognition. Yeah, yeah. Because and it is like, she, and also she has this vow of silence, so she doesn't speak. Yeah, and, and she like pretends not to even see him, which is right. Which is how I act when I see an ex in public, um, but like for different <laughs> reasons. I'm just like, what? Didn't right. see it. <laughs> yeah, same. But like, no, it is, and I I think it's like. Back to the Christmas thing, I think it's kind of funny that, like, in some ways it was, like, he was being visited by the ghost of Christmas past, like, <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah. his wife is here in white clothing and not speaking and just, like, hovering, oh like, in, in the house that they used to share. Yeah. Like. Right. I thought that was kind of funny, but also kind of fucked up. <laughs> it's definitely Which fucked up. Which I guess up. is the point. <laughs> And Jill got her that present. Ugh. Jill. Ugh. And then later, like, she, she, someone says they saw her mom, and she's like, did you see if she was using, like, a lighter? Yeah, a lighter. <laughs> and she was like, no, she used matches. And then she's like, motherfucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I mean, not exactly that, but it was. But anger helps, that, right? So she's like. Lines. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, rather than being sad that her mom wasn't using the present, she was like, what a bitch. Yeah. Fuck yeah. her. Right. Okay. So um I guess I'm just gonna skip towards the end of this. Um sorry. No, it's fine. I just don't wanna We like, just had so much to say. I know. know. I'm glad. Um yeah. that's why I, p- I put so many discussion points because I was like, what if we don't have enough to say? But like that never happens. Always. We always have enough to say. Um okay, so I guess finally I wanna ask like what do you guys think of the ending? Like, what do you... So, like, basically several things happen. Um, First of all, so Tom has been traveling the country with the impregnated... Oh, we didn't even talk about the... We didn't even talk about Christine. So let's like talk about all. it really quick, then. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Poor Christine. Um, 
<laughs> Susan says no. no. Oh, I thought I you were like, oh, I don't want to talk Christine. about her. I don't want to oh, discuss. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Christine is the the chosen one of the prophet that Tom has been following, um, and she because she's the one who gets pregnant out of his. Uh, you know, five or so Harem. teen yeah. wives. I mean, if someone named Holy yeah. Wayne got me pregnant, though, <laughs> no. Oh, and let's just say Holy Wayne has a thing for Asian girls. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, but which is Holy really Wayne is the most ridiculous name in the world. I love it. That's yes. that's my band name. If not, if Guilty Remnant is taken, then Holy Wayne is my band name. <laughs> I I did appreciate the complete like honesty of of Tom Parada putting like making a male character who's obsessed with young tiny Asian women because <laughs> that is such a thing and it's so disgusting. and then giving him the stupidest name <laughs> yes making him the worst person Wayne <laughs> but so anyway Holy Wayne gets arrested for having child brides. And basically, so Christine is the name of the the one girl who's pregnant, and she, like, essentially Tom, like, becomes responsible for her as far as, like, keeping her out of the limelight, making sure that, like, sh- like she is able to carry through the pregnancy of this child, which is supposed to be a son. Um, and so... Of course it is, you know? Right, because girls suck, so... Apparently, they travel the country and have this whole like sort of like there nothing ever happens between them either. But there's definitely like a romantic tension, and she's like mm-hmm. si- there's flirtation. They flirt with each other a little bit, yeah. And she's supposed to be like sixteen, and he's like what nineteen or something. Yeah, he's he was like a f- freshman in college. Yeah. yeah, so so it's not super gross, at least. <laughs> Mm-mm. Just a little gross. Um, but nothing ever happens between them anyway. But she eventually gives birth, and she gives birth uh, to a girl. And immediately, like, detaches from... And and also, as that happens, like, Holy Wayne pleads guilty <laughs> and is, like, admits that he was wrong and he did all of these horrible things and he's gonna go to jail and basically like denounces his relationship with her and the entire thing and she's pissed she's i mean rightfully so yeah Mm -hmm. uh but she's also like clearly experiencing like some postpartum depression uh Mm -hmm. stuff because she it's not attached to her baby at all and basically has nothing like wants nothing to do with her won't name her like, won't touch her, won't hold her, and, you know, at the, like, towards the end of the book, basically, like, abandons Tom at a, uh, <laughs> like, gas station rest stop with the child, and so he's just kind of like, well, now I have this baby, but, uh, like, I had, <laughs> Well, now I have yeah. this baby. <laughs> what now? Um, but I had, like, a discussion point or like earlier in the thing that it was interesting to me that like Tom's section of the story is like totally separate from everything else going on. Like he's not in Mapleton. He is like the the only character who's like far away from everything and is sort of like living out this little separate life. Um, And I guess I like, I was wondering like, what do you guys think 
like that portion of the story, like how does that serve the novel as a whole? I think it's really interesting that this character's name is Tom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because the first thing I thought when I read that is I was like, as someone who writes sometimes, I would never name a character Emily. Oh, I would never name a character Susan. Mostly because it wouldn't be believable because it'd be like, what is she, 70? I would never name a character Kelly because I hate my name. And (laughs) I like my name, but I also kind of get pissed off when other people have my name. So, which is dumb because a lot of people have my name. Um, But yeah, it made me like I had to read into that a little bit, right? Like, why is this character? Yeah, well, that has to be an intentional choice. It has to be. You don't accidentally name someone the same name. <laughs> right. And, like, granted, Tom is a very common name, but but, but Yeah, still. but still, so like, is, like, John. <laughs> Could have named Yeah, like, and else. also, every time you write it, you're writing your own name. Yeah. Like, you obviously... You're aware. What's that about, though? What's that about? Why, why this character? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. You, I, yeah. I don't know. I wonder if, like, the, this like the themes in this book parallel in any way an experience that he had and like Tom's reaction if he ever adopted a teen baby (laughs) (laughs) or just the way that Tom deals with things is maybe similar to the way that he how he would deal with them yeah I don't know I mean I think like it's interesting the like cult aspect of it because like with the um, guilty remnant, we see, like, the whole inner workings of this cult, and we see, like, the entire – that storyline takes place, like, within the cult. But with Tom's cult that he was a part of, like, we really only see the aftermath. Because, like, by the – like, when we start with Tom, it's as the cult is dissolving, and he is leaving, and he is, like, basically fully disillusioned with the ideas of Holy Wayne, like – as we start the novel. Like, we right. get a brief I- explanation of how he ended up there, but then the rest of it is just him, like, kind of wandering. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, his his storyline is, like, similar to his sister's in some ways of just being this person who's kind of, like, lost. And, but, like, they deal with it in such different ways. But I, I wonder, like, if Jill was older, like... If she had been in college, like, would she be going on a similar path, like, that he was? Because she sort of has no choice because she's a minor and she's, like, in high school, you know? I kind of, like, I thought a lot about with Tom, what would I have done, like, my freshman year of college as I was sort of just kind of starting my own life apart from everyone else? If something... Huge like that happened, like, would my reaction be run home or would it be run further? Yeah, and it is interesting that, like, it's like the first semester of school and this horrible tragedy occurs and it's all the schools shut down, and you're like immediately forced back into this life that you w- willingly left a couple months right. ago and turns mm-hmm. like this time of that's supposed to be very exciting and fun into something like horrifying. Mm-hmm. Anyway, to discuss the ending. <laughs> yeah, go back to the ending now. Sorry. <laughs> Leading into that. Um, so Tom is like, all right, I got the baby. I'm going to go. He he and Christine were already on their way to his family's house. And he, like, didn't tell his dad or anything that he was coming. He's just like, I'm just going to show up there with this teenage mother and her baby mm-hmm. and hope for the best, Hashtag I guess. not my baby. 
<laughs> so well, it's kind of like he's kind of like he has no idea what's gonna happen. Like he he doesn't know. I don't know. Everything's so weird with her. Like he's like she could explode before we get there. For all <laughs> I know, so I don't want to say anything. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I ki- I kind of had a feeling she was gonna run off as soon as she could but yeah i did too she didn't she didn't seem too interested in staying with him she like when he was like he has this whole like inner monologue where he's like we're gonna be a family now and i was like really yeah (laughs) i don't know of course like i totally understood that he would think that because he's like a 19 year old and he's like idealizing like he's like the only problem with with the my situation with christine is that holy wayne exists but now he's not in the picture anymore so everything's gonna be great (laughs) oh my god obviously it doesn't work out that way but so that ain't true yeah he gets home and is like pull like pulls up to his house and just is kind of like sitting there and then leaves the baby like on the doorstep and drives away and he leaves a note with the baby like this baby has no name please take care of her like some fucking like baby shoes for sale never worn shit and (laughs) then like like nora is on her way to like deliver this letter that she's written to kevin like her goodbye letter and she walks up to the mailbox and there's a baby on the ground. And she's like, what? And she, like, starts, you know, she, like, looks down at the baby. Kevin comes home at that point, uh, And she just, like, turns to him and she's, like, has this baby. And she's like, look what I found. And that's, like, how it ends. Yeah. So what's going to happen? It's all better now. They're going to be a family and love each other. question is, know. is that a hopeful ending? Yeah, it, to me it was very dark. <laughs> yeah, it felt very dark and a little like it feels a little creepy. Icky. Yeah, it was like very unsettling. In theory, it's hopeful, but like clearly Nora is not in the correct mental state to like raise this child. Like she's literally about to like leave, like leave town. She's bleached her hair. She's gonna like. But apparently it looks good. Yeah. Her hair looks great like that, so that's good. <laughs> that's good. But knowing what we know about Kevin and how he, like, responds to women around him, I'm wondering if he sees her and thinks, like, she looks hot with blonde hair, if that's, like, his first. <laughs> Probably. He's not even, like, looking at the baby. He's just like, man, I would love to get a blowjob from <laughs> this girl with blonde hair. Yeah, basically. I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure that's probably what happened. He, like, doesn't even recognize her when he's walking up. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't imagine that they would be able to, like, happily raise this child together. No. No. It's a (laughs) band-aid, you know? Yeah. But I think that that that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a band-aid. They're going to be like, oh, we can use this as a chance to, like, start over again. But it's like, okay, but there are all these other things that aren't fixed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, meanwhile, another, like, part of the ending is that it turns out this whole time the cult has been having these mysterious deaths of cult members in the Guilty Remnant. But guess what? They're doing it themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And Lori and Meg get chosen to 
live in this little house together and they fall in love. We, like, didn't discuss any of this. There's so much going on. Oh, my gosh. How did we not? So, meanwhile, Lori and Meg fall in love and cuddle in bed together. Yeah. It's interesting because it's kind of like, like, do they they have sex or are they just in, like, a romantic yet platonic relationship? Like... I mean, she, I, I thought that they were just, like, cuddling. Yeah. But they're, like, in love know. also. Yeah. It's well, interesting. You can be in love with your friends. That's true. Um, I think. They basically live like they're a couple. And right. in this, like, little, like, house, because this is where they send the people who are going to sacrifice themselves slash each other for the good of the cult. Which... And so then, you know, Meg is the one who's going to die, and Lori, like, can't kill her, so Meg shoots herself, and then Lori gets taken away in a getaway car. (laughs) Which is just, like, it was, like, such a, I knew that it was leading to some kind of dramatic conclusion in that way, with that storyline. Because you know that they weren't just going to send them to some house where they could be happy. Right. And when, like, the, the first two dudes that they were living with because the house has four people. So like uh-huh. e- like a new two people enter when the one the other two people die, I guess. Yeah. Or you know, one dies and one goes away. But like what is all yet again, like what is the purpose? I don't know. And also like I just kind of thought it was weird that they're sort of pushing them together before this happens because you know, they're like, don't you guys want to go stay in the bed together? Right. They're they're sort of pushing for them to get close with each other, knowing that this is going to be the outcome. Right. And I'm not sure. I guess part of it is, like, the fact that, like, it makes it a greater sacrifice. Uh, yeah. And makes it more painful for the person left behind when you have, like, constructed that closeness. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, though. It's very weird. So I don't even know if we have really time. I watched the first episode of the TV show. Um, There are some notable changes already. Yeah. Emily, how much of it did you watch? I watched the first couple of episodes, but I watched them when they first came out. And so you know how it is when you watch something before you read? Yeah. Like, reading the book, I didn't really... uh, notice what was different but i'm sure if i went back and watched i am planning on going back and watching this show now yeah i i'm probably gonna notice all that stuff so you probably have a better um uh, i don't know like opinion on that than i do right now well just a couple of notable changes uh like mostly in kevin because first of all he is not the mayor he is the police chief and he is much angrier and much, hmm. like, more, like, emotionally affected by this whole thing than, like, the Kevin that we get in the book. So I'm interested, like, to see how it, like, where it goes because so far he's, like, a pretty different character than the character, like, I have come to love from this book. Um, but right. he is played by Justin Thoreau, so that helps. <laughs> also... The the Holy Wayne situation is, like, a little bit different in that Tom is, like, at the, like, compound or whatever with Holy Wayne and the, like, teenage brides. And he's, like, mm-hmm. like flirting with Christine. Like, 
And then Wayne calls him in and he's like, I see you flirting with her. Like, I'm going to make you her protector. So it's kind of, it's like a little bit more like personal, hmm. the fact that like he specifically has chosen to, to watch over Christine. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think both of those changes are more cinematic. Yeah. Right. Because so much of Kevin and what we know about him as a character and how he feels is internal. Yeah, that's true. Um, so you kind of have to emote a little bit more for a television show. Um, all of the stuff that ha- all of the things that happen with the cult, um, it's really interesting because Tom is very much like a part of the cult. Like he's like one of the early adopters, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's also sort of like out recruiting. He's not like in the the middle of the action. Right. Um, and I think that that isn't, that's not as interesting to watch. Yeah. So you've got to kind of put him there where the cult leader is and all the like, yeah. all of his hoes and all that. Because just like hearing about all it, because hoes. that's all it is. And <laughs> yeah. Because like well, in the book, all it is is like, you know, I hear that this is his setup now and this is what he talks about. Right. But like, that doesn't work as well. Right. And then the the final change that I thought was, like, a pretty big change, and I, again, I only watched the first episode, but the first episode ends with the, like, you know, Heroes Day celebration when, like, the the guilty remnant comes and holds up signs during Nora's speech that say, uh, you're, stop wasting your breath. And in the book, there, it's very, like, it ends very passively, and they sort of just like leave and it's like not a not a big deal. <laughs> like it's uncomfortable, but it's not like but in the show it ends with a full out riot. Like people are beating the shit out of each other. Like mm-hmm. and I I think that's an interesting change too because it sort of like makes the guilty remnant more of like a solid presence than they are because in the book it's kind of like everyone's like main strategy is to ignore them yeah but again that's not interesting now i'm excited to watch i haven't seen any of it yet (laughs) yeah it's good but i got a good little synopsis of the first episode just now so I feel yeah. well. Be just yeah. be warned that there is some dog violence. What? Wait, no. violence against dogs? Well, yeah, because you know how like there's the packs of dogs yeah. that are get yeah. like it, it doesn't really go into detail in the book but, that much, but like there's like we're killing but, like people go out and try to shoot these dogs. Okay. okay. So there's some of that going okay. on. Good to know. Ugh, I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah, like I don't like that. that either. But I do really want to watch the show. <laughs> Yeah, just be prepared for that. Unfortunate animal violence trigger warning, but it is HBO, so it's going to ruin your life somehow. Right. Yeah. If it's not that, it's some other trigger that I didn't know I even (laughs) had. Ambient rape. (laughs) (laughs) As Mary would say. Yeah. I mean, good thing Mary wasn't here, honestly, because this podcast could have been like two hours long. Oh, my God. I I mean, it's already, We're we're already an hour and a half. Just on the book. <laughs> I know, Mary. We we miss you, Mary. I was just kidding. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'll rate it. Can we rate it? <laughs> yeah, go. I'm gonna it. give this one a four. I really, really enjoyed it a Woo! lot. 
This is the I've enjoyed this more than anything in a while, actually. Like, and I I listened to the audio book, and I finished it this morning, which is why I haven't watched any of this show yet because I haven't had a chance. <laughs> oh, it's fine. But um, <laughs> it was like the perfect thing to listen to while I was traveling. I was just like so into it the whole time. I thought all of the characters were really well fleshed out, and this the whole concept is really interesting to me, and I think it tackles a lot of big issues in interesting and varied ways, which is great. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. I really liked it. So four stars. Yay. I'm um, I also, oh, no, I'm sorry. Go you, go, you go. You go. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You go. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I also gave this a four. And, um, yeah, I... I agree pretty much with everything Susan said. I feel like I was going to add something, but then, like, Kelly threw me off a little bit. So let me think about this for a second. Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think that um, Tom Parada did a really great job of balancing a lot of different characters and a lot of different storylines in a book that isn't really that long. It's yeah. like 350 yeah. pages. It felt longer, though, right? Yeah, I could definitely see yeah, reading it. reading it, like, how the sh- – obviously, I haven't finished watching the show or anything, like I said earlier, but how the show could definitely take this material and expand on it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, I didn't feel like I wasn't getting enough of any st- – like, I s- still felt like I knew all of these characters really well, even though he was juggling a lot of characters, so that's really impressive. Yeah. I mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. He's a good writer. Yeah. He is. I also am giving it a four. Uh, oh my god. Um, what? Yeah, I really liked it too. I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, and just like also, like the it's such a, like an easy read while not being mm-hmm. like overly simplistic in the right. Like the writing style is just really nice and clean and like reads well, you know. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that because it's not like. It's not flowery language at all, but it's still very, like, poignant and... There's a lot of dialogue in his books, generally, which I actually enjoy. Yeah. And it's good dialogue. It's very well-written dialogue, but it moves really fast. This is my first... um, This is my first book of his that I've read, so I'm excited to read some other ones. If you guys want to tell me your favorite ones, that'd be great. Um, Yeah. So, I can mention a couple... Um, a lot of his books have been made into movies, so you might be familiar with Election. Wait, um, hold on. Yes, he wrote that book. Why didn't I know that? I feel dumb right now. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. That's one of my favorite movies, though. Yeah, so you should definitely read that book. Um, also, Little Children, he wrote that, which was a Kate Winslet joint. Also a good movie. Yes, also a great movie. Um, and The Abstinence Teacher is the other one that I've read, and it's about a teacher that has to do, like, abstinence-only sex ed and feels morally conflicted about it. So that was one I was really excited about reading. But he's really into writing about sort of, like, bizarre suburbia. Yeah, I'm into reading about bizarre suburbia, so I'm here for it. Yeah, I definitely am going to read more of his stuff now. Um, Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed well, this. Well, next time Tom and I talk on the phone, I will let him know. 
Thanks, Emily. No, tell him hey for me. <laughs> <laughs> I will, tell him like, I said hey, four time. stars. He'll be like, where's that Where's that fifth star, though? Where'd it go? Hey, I reserve that for room. So, unfortunately, this week we don't have any listener feedback on books that we have read. <laughs> So if, on book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on book, nobody, nobody wanted to write in about Super Extra Grande. I'm so shocked. Yeah. Well, no one read it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I know people did. That's actually no. They I actually I do know a few people who and read it, so I'm just gonna tell them to yeah, write it. <laughs> I'll personally we're contact sorry. them. <laughs> but seriously, we get so much more feedback on our other sodes, even though I know that people are reading along with us. So please write in your thoughts about any books that you've read along with us with, any questions you have that you want us to discuss, or just like general comments about them. If you read along with us on this one, or if you've read it and you're just listening and you already read it a long time ago, please. Or like if you watch the show yeah. and you want to write yeah, in about that. Works that. Too. And know? don't feel like That's in any fine. way intimidated. Like you've heard us, right? We say some crazy yeah probably dumb stuff so i sound like a dumbass all the time so please <laughs> um write to and us you know, we're sorry yeah we're the sorry. title of this so episode sorry. is sorry 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 <laughs> sorry okay yeah. what's on the blog the blurg what's on the the book score. I don't know, Susan. What's on what is the blurb? On the blog? Yeah, so um, I have a post <laughs> up about my favorite true crime book of all time so far called People Who Eat Darkness by Richard Lloyd Perry. Um, it's about a crime that I had never even heard of until I read this book, and I loved it so much that I read it a second time, <laughs> which I don't often do with nonfiction. So uh, I give some reasons why I think you might love it as well, especially if you're into true crime. This is one you should definitely check out. Awesome. I have also read it. I listened to the audiobook. The audiobook is a very good option for this one. Just saying. So no true crime gritty voice? Uh, it's just a... I mean, it's kind of a... Because I listened to it on one of my... Go a man it's reads a man. it, so... Yeah, he's, uh, he's British and... Yes. Bit of a slow talker. So Mary probably would not. Yeah, Mary. Like it Mary would not like it because she hates British. She people. She hates British people. Yeah, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> She's not even sorry. She just hates them. So anyway, yeah, he's yeah. kind of a slow talker, but it's I don't know. I find nonfiction really easy to listen to, even when the narrator's not like the best thing in the yes. world. So yes. If you listen to enough audiobooks and your name is not Mary, you'll probably be fine with the audio version. Um, I listened to it actually I mean, I on a road it. trip once, and like it's like a twelve-hour book, and I had a six-hour trip there, six-hour trip back. It was completely perfect. <laughs> I know, I loved it. That sounds, <laughs> but it's just it's it's really good. However, you consume it, consume it. Just get you some. Oh, transition into featured bookstore. Um, because that oh, book yes. I was talking about was a true crime book, I you have linked totally in the blog to our most recent, 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 <laughs> recent <laughs> featured bookstore, Murder by the Book. Emily? Yeah. Murder by the Book. It's in Houston, Texas, and it's awesome. If you want to know more about it, 
you can check my blog post about it. Also, um, check Susan's blog post because she links to it. And if you go to the website, they sell all their stuff online, including their super cool murdery totes and t-shirts and mugs and signed books by different murdery writers. Murder! So, get you some murder. Get you some moira. Get you some murder. Also on the blog, I am doing So You Think You Can Dance recaps. And I have waited until this week because I think the auditions are shitty. And I hate that they take so long. (laughs) Also, you can do whatever you want. So, yeah. We're finally getting into the live show. And I have opinions about, you know, who's awesome and who sucks (laughs) And the people who suck are Vanessa Hudgens and Nigel Lithgow because they're terrible judges. So I will be talking about that. There's going to be, I mean, I don't know yet because it's early days, but I'm assuming there's probably going to be a weekly section where I talk about specific things that Vanessa and Nigel do that are shitty. Like a Nigel racism count? Yes, there will definitely be a Nigel racism count because he is super racist. Um, And Vanessa, I mean, I love you, girl. High School Musical is my jam. But, honey, you do not know how to judge a dance competition show. That's all I'm saying. Um, So check out that. Also, not, not out yet, but coming soon because guess what's coming back this week? Oh, my God. It's Are You The One. So Are You The One recaps will be back. And I am... So pumped. So get ready for that. If you're not watching Are You The One, it's it's starting this week. So get on it. Get on it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Awesome. Um, A lot of recaps. Yeah. So many recaps. I'm really spreading myself thin here, but I don't care. <laughs> um, speaking of, YA Book Club in Paradise is running a little late, but it should be on on the blog by now um i'm just a little behind on my reading guys this is totally on me but mary and i are reading um uh three dark crowns and mary has finished it i'm working on it should be done by the time this comes out mary says that she ended up liking it and thought about purchasing the sequel which is interesting because um when she first started reading it she said it was really crappy and (laughs) she she was like do we actually have to talk about this um, so I'm really um, excited to talk to her about the book and see like what where it changed, uh, like how the sudden like turn of uh, this was like a really weird twist. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is going to be a very twisty and turny um, edition of YA Book Club Sounds in Paradise. Really sexy! I'm I can't wait. The most it. dramatic YA Book Club in Paradise yet, <laughs> ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can get to our Double blog by visiting. Our website, booksquadgoals.com slash blog, or just go to booksquadgoals.com and click blog. (laughs) (laughs) Two ways to get there, very similar. (laughs) Yes. Also, you can follow us on social media to keep up with all of our blog posts, as well as other (sighs) announcements and fun and cute pictures of our pets. At Um, booksquadgoals. We're at booksquadgoals. Everywhere. And, and, Twitter and everywhere. if you want to send us feedback on blogs, other episodes, or full episodes, aka book episodes, you should book episodes. E- book episodes, full episodes, whatever you want to call them. If you want to give us some feedback on any of those things, all of that, 
can be emailed to thesquad at booksquadgoals.com, and we will read it. That is T-H-E-S-Q-U-A-D <laughs> at... You guys, I have a follow-up to one of our listener uh, emails from last time. Oh, yes. Um, it's just a text message, so it's real oh. quick. Okay. Michael, who emailed us about hered- Sup. hereditary... <laughs> Uh, and he ate, he, oh yeah, we, we, we know you, Michael. Remember he ate the flatbread. Um, and everyone said, Michael, write write in and tell us how you managed to eat the flatbread because, you know, hereditary was like real fucked up. I asked him and he said, LOL. I scarfed it down before the previews even ended because I knew I'd be too scared during the movie. Probably set a world record for flatbread consumption. That's also... (laughs) I mean, that sounds impressive, but stop for a minute and think about how long previews last. Yeah. It's a long yeah. time. I could eat a five-course meal during Yeah, you could eat a last. whole pizza, not just a flatbread. Yeah. But yeah. I do like that he made sure he ordered it, like, way ahead of time because he was like, I'm going to no, be too scared. I've got to get this good in thinking. me. I've got to have nourishment and sustenance <laughs> to get through this. And he was right. Yes. So Absolutely. that is Michael's Absolutely. final thoughts on hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. If you have more thoughts on Hereditary, please feel free to share. Yes. Don't tempt him. He'll do it. <laughs> okay. Finally, please, please consider leaving us a rating and review. Not on- finally, we have to talk about our next episode. Are you listening to me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was sorry. telling sorry. people to rate and review us. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait to review us. God. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's our next? Emily, please tell us what our next episode is. You know what it's not about? So. <laughs> Sharp objects. <laughs> so. Okay. So we're really sorry. But um, last episode, we got real excited about. Rightfully so. I'm still very excited about Sharp Objects. Don't worry, so we my- are doing an episode. Oh, are we ever? Just <laughs> just as a little aside, because I know that my father is near and dear to this podcast, as we would all call him, were we in a cult. My dad finally caught up with Sharp Objects today, and he was texting me about it earlier, and he was like, maybe we should start a podcast called Emily and Dad Talk About TV Shows. <laughs> <laughs> I would subscribe in a heartbeat. That is a very good like, name for a podcast, too. Your email is Emily and Dad. <laughs> yeah. At I was Emily like, I'm down for that. If you want to do, like, Emily and Dad talk about TV shows, we can do that. That should be a blog series. We could Think do about that. It. Yeah, you consider it. About hey, it. hey, Charlie, it. consider it. <laughs> yeah. Look, we're having this – look, this is real. We're having this brainstorm right now. You're seeing the beginning of something special. But anyway, um, our next uh, other soda is not Sharp Objects. That will be the next, next other soda because we actually have to wait for the show to actually, like, be done before we can Weird. talk about it. Um, <laughs> however, uh, not only am I buds with Tom Parada, I'm also buds with lots of authors – including Grady Hendrix, who you might remember from our very special spooky episode all about Horror Store. Yes. Um, Or you might remember from me and Mary talking about how much we love My Best Friend's Exorcism. 
pretty much in every episode. Yes. But Grady Hendrix has a new book coming out called We Sold Our Souls. And speaking of metal bands, it is about a metal band. And one of the members of the band uh, sells the souls of the rest of the band members in order to like become famous and rich. Extremely himself. rude. Yeah, super rude. Um, so, but that's what this book is about. It's super awesome. And I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with him about this, not once, but twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain. You'll have to wait until the next other episode and I'll explain. Yes. Um, next full episode. That's our next book episode. I am so excited about guys because I am, I'm the only one who's read ton of French before, right? I think so. I am introducing you guys to my favorite mystery author, Tana French. We are going to be discussing her newest book, The Trespasser, um, which is the only one of her books that I haven't read. And um, I have been waiting to read it because I wanted to read it with you guys. Um, But I love her. I love her books. And so I'm hoping that this one lives up to all the hype that I've been putting behind her because I've definitely been hyping her. Woo! But yeah. I'm super excited to I'm talk excited, about too. It. I never, like, read mysteries, so I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, like, there are a lot of crappy mystery books out there. Oh, yes, Like, there let's are. just be real. But Tana French is actually, like, she she's doing quality work out there. So if you're one of those people who's like, I want to read mystery, but I'm not quite sure what to read because it's hard to wade through all the crap, like, Tana French, I highly re- recommend, like, all of her books. Woo! So there you go. Very yeah. exciting. Yay. I have one of her books yes. like in my Audible queue. Ooh, which one? Uh, the first one, I think. In the Woods. Okay. In yeah. the Woods. Yeah. Cool. So this episode is super fucking long. <laughs> and hopefully I will be able to cut it down. But if I didn't manage to cut it down very much, I apologize. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> we love you. And we're sorry. Sorry. We're sorry. 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 We're so so sorry. sorry. (laughs) Okay, bye, though. Bye. Sorry. 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 Bye. Sorry, Sorry, I gotta go. Bye.